wrapping up a series today that... Uh, that I, I got to be honest with you, I've just absolutely loved walking through this with you and dealing with these details. It's probably been a, a little bit meatier in some ways for some of you, and I hope you've been tracking with us. What we've been trying to do is, is get a, a handle on who is the per, third person of the Godhead, the often ignored and misunderstood member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, and, and what that means uh, for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be in relationship, not just with the Father, not just with the Son, but with the Holy Spirit as well. So let's get right into it. I want you to put your thinking caps on because I'm going to dig even deeper this morning and we're going to bring it to a conclusion before we leave here today. So let's get into it. We're going to read Ephesians 5.18 one more time. If you've got your Bibles, you want to go there, you're welcome to do that. You can go to the Bridge NC app and download the notes there. They're available. You can email me after and I'll be glad to send you my very teaching notes. You're welcome to those for your own research. But we're going to go to Ephesians 5.18 one more time. We've been doing that throughout the series, but this time I want to back up a couple verses. I want to give you a little more context. So let's start with verse 15, Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. So you ready? Here we go. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Was that written 2,000 years ago or yesterday. I don't remember exactly when that was written, but, but it's just as applicable today as it was back then. Can I get an amen in the house? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Are you tracking with what the apostle Paul is saying? He's saying we're living in these incredibly crazy times, and we think these are the craziest in history. They're not. This is not the craziest time in history. It's not even the hardest time for the church. The Middle Ages, the Dark Ages existed. The bubonic plague existed. There were so many seasons across the centuries uh, where the church has been challenged. But Jesus said it clearly, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we have to be wise, not foolish during these dark, difficult seasons be very intentional about it. So, but this is, there's a detail I want you to get, okay? And that is, I told you a lot of detail today. I want you to dig it out. He, he says it's a wise choice, but what's the last phrase in the verse? He didn't just say it's a wise choice. He said it's a God's will choice. This isn't just the smart choice to make. This is God's will for your life. That's the context for Ephesians 5, 18. So let's read it one more time. Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you. I love the NIV translation of it because it says, which leads to debauchery. <laughs> you don't even have to know what that word is to know it's, good. it's a bad thing. It's debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul's saying you have a choice to make. It can be wise or, or foolish. It can be, uh, be controlled by, intoxicated by the spirits of this world or filled and empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Whatever you want to call it, there is a choice. It's a very clear choice. And in these last days, Days, these evil times, it's critically important that we make those choices. It is God's will that we choose to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to understand God's given us freedom of choice. He's not given us freedom from the consequences of our choices. 
So the choice that you make sets in motion direction and consequences for your life. So he's saying be very, very intentional about this choice. I can tell you it's the wise thing to do. I can tell you it's God's will for you to do it. But at the end of the day, you need to understand the consequences of those two choices. So what I want to do in the few minutes that I have with you today is I want to, I just, I've created a chart and I want to show you the, the choice as clearly as I know how. If you choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, these are the things that, that you can expect to have happen. And if you choose to be filled with the spirits of this world, controlled by the spirits of this world, this is what's going to happen. And just in case there's any uh, concern or, or confusion about that, the default setting is choosing to be filled with the spirits of this world. In other words, not to make a decision is to make a decision. Sometimes the scriptures call it the flesh, whatever you want to call it. There's a decision that has to be made, and that decision is, I will allow the spirits of this world, the prince of the power of the air, Jesus, uh, Paul called him, uh, I'll allow him to influence my choices in life, or I will intentionally choose to be filled with, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So let me show you the chart first, then we're going to come back and unpack it as quickly as I can. Don't plan to keep it very long because I really want to come down to this choice this morning. Praise team's going to come back and we're going to finish on our feet in worship this morning as we make this choice together. But let's look at the chart first, okay? Here we go. So if you choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, left side of our chart, we've talked about this throughout the whole series, right? If you've been here, you've heard these. If you missed it, then go back, go to the website and get the, the messages. You can see all of these. I'll send you the notes so you can study them. But what are the three primary things we've talked about? You can expect to have intimacy with God. You can expect to have Christ-like character and the fruits of the Spirit to begin to show up in your life. And you can expect for, to, to serve in an empowered kind of way, accomplishing things that you never thought you could or would because the Holy Spirit's taking you further than your natural abilities ever could by giving you the gifts that you need to get there. That's the left side of the chart. What's the right side? Again, the default setting. If you choose to be filled with the spirits of this world, in other words, you don't make a choice, it just settles into that, then you can expect isolation from God, you can expect hypocrisy and the insecurities and fears that come from it, and you can expect to look back on your life with a sense of purposelessness. Well, that's a dark picture, but I want you to understand, sometimes you've got to know how bad the bad news is before you embrace the good news. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time with the left side of the chart today, we've, we've spent the last three weeks doing that, but I want to unpack the right side very quickly, if I can, uh, to make sure that we understand, and then we're, gonna, we're simply going to make a choice today as a team. So let's get into it. The first uh, kind of contrast that's in our chart is that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's that going to lead to? Intimacy with God. Say it with me. Intimacy with God. One more time. It's going to lead to intimacy with God. If you choose or default to the spirits of this world, what's that going to lead to? Isolation from God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 begins to unpack it. Here's what Paul says. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, but if the Spirit is leading you, you're not under the law. Now, that may be one of those kind of hard to wrap your brain around things, but it's really simple when you think about it. He's saying the same thing in Galatians 5 that he said in Ephesians 5. 
He's using different terminology. Now he's saying our sinful selves versus the capital S spirit, but he's saying the same thing. You can be controlled by the, the selfish nature that we were born with and which leads to the, sin, the, the, the spirits of this world, or you can choose to be filled with the spirit. And if you choose to be filled with the spirit, then you're no longer under the law. You're under grace now. That's what he says. Here he's using terms sinful self. In Ephesians 5.18, he talks about being drunk with wine, the spirits of this world. In some places, you'll see life versus death. You'll see flesh versus spirit. You'll see, you'll see what the spirit wants. You'll see evil versus good. I mean, you see it said in different ways, but it's, at the end of the day, it's all the same choice. Who will I serve? Who's going to be in charge? That's the choice. Whatever term you want to use, that's the choice. Then Paul goes on to say that choosing the spirits of this world, not making a decision is a decision to do this. Verse 19, the wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshiping gods, lowercase g, that's idols, Doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. In other words, all the fun stuff. Just took all the fun stuff away, right? Well, you laugh, but that's what the devil would have you believe. And in fact, the Bible kind of says that too. Hebrews chapter 11 says that there is pleasure in sin, for a season. You see, you get your kicks, but then you get your kick backs. I mean, come on, guys. If sin was a bummer, nobody'd do it, right? That's just the reason we get drawn into it, because it looks fun, and maybe for a little while it, it is, but at the end of the day, there's a consequence to that choice. Now, please understand, Paul is not saying in here that your salvation is by works. He made it very clear. What did it say in verse 18? Those who do these things will, uh, he says very clearly that, that, that when we're under the Spirit, we're not under the law. But he does conclude this passage with a very powerful uh, statement. He says, those who do these things, what does it say? Will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, please don't misunderstand that. We're saved by grace. The grace of God is always available to us. But when we choose the spirits of this world, the flesh, the sinful self, whatever terminology you want to use, when we choose that, that leads to sins that ultimately has a price tag. Sin always has a consequence. Say it with me. Sin always has a consequence. Now, here's where I want you to put your thinking caps on, okay? Because when you read the New Testament, you come to understand that there are two different dynamics going on. There is sin, singular, and there is sins, plural. Do you understand the difference between those two things? Let me explain it to you. Sins are some of the things we just read. Sin is the reason we fall into sins. And sin is simply making the wrong choice. Sin is simply saying, I choose to be in charge of my own life. I am the captain of my own fate. You can't even figure out where you're going for lunch. And you're the captain of your own fate for eternity? Give me a break. 
Sin is saying, I choose to be God. I will. Paul's saying, we need to be saying, thy will. You see the choice? Is who gets to be in charge here? Who gets to be the leader here? And when you choose the flesh, the sinful self, spirits of this world, understand you just made a choice on the wrong side of the equation. And what's the, what's the consequence of that choice? It's going to manifest in different ways. I mean, I read that list, and, and, and we all know people. We've been people. Perhaps some of us are people who are choosing, uh, making the wrong choice right now. And we read that list of sins in Galatians 5. and say, well, you know, I've probably done a few of those things, but I'm not doing all that stuff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in witchcraft, and, and I'm not doing sexual sins, and I'm not, you know, I'm not getting drunk and having wild parties. I'm not doing all that stuff. Everybody doesn't do all that stuff. It doesn't manifest in, in all of those ways in all of our lives. But when you choose sin, there are going to be sins that show up. In your life, and the scriptures are clear. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Here we go. For the wages of what? The wages of what? Is that sin or sins? The wages of sin is death. Track with me for a minute. We love to categorize sins by the things we like or don't like. We love to categorize sins by the ones that we're not currently doing as being worse than the ones we're currently doing. Hello? But the wages of sins is not death. The wages of sin is not death. And what's sin? How did I define sin? Sin is defined as choosing me over he. It's choosing flesh over spirit. It's choosing I want to be in charge versus he is God and I am not, and I will follow him. That's sin. And the wages of sin, I mean, the word is harmartia in Greek, and it literally means just to miss the mark. It's just like shooting an arrow at a target, and you miss the target. That's all it is. The target is Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and all things are coming under his headship, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the target. When you don't shoot the target, when you don't make that choice, the wages of that is What? death. Now, the word death in the Greek is thanatos. And thanatos literally means the misery that always accompanies sin. In other words, anytime you fail to choose, refuse to choose, choose the foolish instead of the wise, the flesh instead of the spirit, whatever term you want to use. Anytime you refuse to make that choice, I told you the default is the flesh, the spirits of this world. Anytime you do that, there's going to be misery associated with that. And ultimately, it leads to the death of relationships. Does that make sense? Think about that for a minute. Anytime you choose sin, I choose to say, I'm in charge. I'll do this the way I want. I'll set my own agenda for my life. Anytime you choose that, I'm going to live the way I want to. I don't care what the Bible says. Here's what I've decided truth is for me. I've had people look at me in my office and say, thank you for telling me what the Bible says is true. Now I have to decide what is true for me. 
I have to find my truth. Don't you love that new phrase that's been around for a few years now, but it's getting more and more popular these days? Well, I'm sorry. One plus one equaled two in the creation, and it still does. There are some truths that are true, whether you choose to believe them or not. And when you don't follow God's word, there's a consequence, and that consequence is thanatos, death, the misery that always accompanies sin. So think about it with me. Let's just make sure we're tracking and I'm going to move on. I'm going to spend too much time on this. Probably spend more than I wanted to already, but I got to be sure we got this. In a marital relationship, in marriage, if we choose lowercase spirit over uppercase spirit, we choose flesh over being controlled by the spirit. What happens according to Paul, and we all know it's true, that introduces jealousy and selfishness and anger and all this other stuff into our marriage. What happens to a marriage when you start introducing those things into the marriage? What happens? You don't have to guess, you know. There's a distance that starts. There's an isolation that starts. And ultimately, if we don't recorrect the decision or the direction that we're in, it ultimately leads in the death of the marriage. That's what happens. Make that, make that friendships. As long as we're choosing to do it the way I want it, let my selfishness reign, it's going to lead to jealousy and anger and selfishness and, and all these other kinds of things, divisions, and ultimately, it's going to lead to the death of that relationship. I've seen it happen in businesses where coworkers allow this to happen. I've seen it happen in churches where church members let this kind of stuff happen, but it all comes back to the choice that I'm trying to present to you today. The choice is not whether I'm going to commit one of these sins. There's a choice before that, and the choice is who's really in charge of my life? Who's really in control of my life? Even Bob Dylan knew you got to serve somebody. Some of you are old enough to get that one. <laughs> Is this making sense? I'm really trying to be clear this morning about this choice that we ultimately have to make. And the choice is not whether I'm going to eat too much today or not. You should be good about that. The choice is not whether I'm going to be angry or selfish or all that kind of stuff. The choice is way before that. The choice is who's going to be in charge of me? Ultimately, if I choose without even choosing the flesh, the spirits of this world, it ultimately leads to death of relationships. Unforgiven sin always leads to death. And ultimately, potentially, heaven forbid, eternal death. Well, the same thing's true in your relationship with God. Our God is a gracious God, but he's also a holy God. He can't look on sin and say, ah, it's okay. I understand under your circumstances why you're choosing not to follow me. I understand why you've decided to make up your own truth. I get it. That's all right. He can't do that because he's a holy God, and he can't just say it's okay because it's not okay because he loves you, and he knows that ultimately sin leads to what? Death. The good news is he's always ready to forgive. He's always ready to forgive. He's always ready to step in. He's always ready to be there when you call on him. So in the dark night of the soul, when you find yourself feeling isolated from the God who loves you more than you can even understand, 
Ask yourself the question, have I been choosing flesh over spirit? I loved Brooks' meditation this morning is that we remain faithful in our, not faithful in our hope, faithful in our confession of hope. You see, it's a choice that we make. I know who God is. I choose to give him thanks for who he is and what he's doing in my life. And when you find yourself isolated from God, that's the place to start back. And if he identifies sins that have popped up, then he's always ready to forgive. Remember, just like the prodigal son's father who was scanning the horizon for his son to come home, and as soon as he saw him, he ran to him and fell on his shoulders. That's the father looking for you and for me, always scanning the horizon for us to come home. But like the prodigal son, until he did that, he was isolated from the father until he came to him. So while the Holy Spirit offers intimacy with God and closeness with God and healthy relationship with God, this healthy, living, breathing, dynamic relationship with the God of the universe, the spirits of this world offer isolation from God you choose. The second element in our chart, I don't take that much time with all of these, but I want to make sure you got that one because that's the bottom line uh, decision of this whole thing. While the Holy Spirit offers Christ-like character, fruit of the Spirit, all those things, the spirits of this world offer hypocrisy and the, and the insecurities that go with it. My favorite illustration of this is a family, a couple that... Uh, that lived in the Midwest, and they had finally got a chance to go on vacation in New York City, and, and they decided they wanted to go to, to see the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And so they told all of their friends and all of their family, we're going to this big city, and we're going to see the opera. But they naively never occurred to them that you need to buy advance tickets, that it would be sold out. And so they got to the city and got to the theater, and of course it was sold out. So now they're standing outside of the theater and they have a choice to make. What do we do? Do we go home and tell all those people that we bragged to that we messed up, that we were naive, that we didn't get advanced tickets and didn't see, or do we fake it? So they decided to go digging through the trash and they found a program and they found a, a ticket stub and they got enough and they went home and they showed their tickets and they showed their programs and they sang the theme song for all their friends and family, living in fear all the while that they would be found out for their lie. I know people that do church that way. You say they went to the theater, but they never got the experience of being in the theater. We go to church, but we never have the experience of being in relationship with the God that we've come to worship. But they can sing the songs. They got the program to show they went. They checked the box. And I mean, who wouldn't go? It's a great place. It's great music. Everybody's friendly. My, my spouse is happy when I go with him or her. And, you know, we probably ought to raise our kids in that. And there's some business contacts there. And there's some pretty girls there. And, you know, maybe I'll meet some pretty girls. I mean, there's all kinds of motivations to be in a place like this on a day like this. But at the end of the day, this is about coming into relationship with with God. It's about choosing who I'm going to serve. So the question is, will I actually humble myself and say, God, I need you? 
or will I fake it? And hope nobody knows I'm faking. Understand, when you do that, you've joined the ranks of the hypocrites. Now understand something, okay? We tend to define hypocrites, I think, inaccurately. Uh, how do we normally define a hypocrite? Somebody who says one thing and does another. So if that's the definition, how many hypocrites are there among us today? God bless that hand. I see that hand. My hand's up. I mean, it's because we all do it. What, you know, sometimes we meant to, you know, oh, yeah, I'll be praying for you, Maggie. And then I go away and I forget, you know. So I said it. I meant it. I didn't do it. Or sometimes we didn't mean it. You know, we just want to get rid of them. So we said something to get rid of them. I mean, it's just reality of human nature. But the Bible goes a lot deeper in terms of defining hypocrisy. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 gives it to us. Love must be, what's the word? Sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Do you see the choice? He's the same choice, different words. Now he's talking about hating what is evil, cling to what is good, but it's the same choice. Spirits of this world, Holy Spirit of God, right? But the word sincere in the Greek is ano hupokritos. Hupokritos, obviously, is where we get the English word hypocrite. Ano is a prefix that simply means to be the opposite of. So the opposite of a hypocrite is somebody who is sincere. It's about being real. It's about being authentic. It's about being honest. It's about being transparent. It's not about getting it right all the time because I don't get it right all the time and you don't get it right all the time. And if we start holding ourselves to the standard of perfection, we're all doomed. That's why Paul said the law leads to death because you can't, you can't get it right all the time. It's not possible, but that's not what it's about. It's about being real. It's about Owning up when you mess up, it's about choosing to be controlled by the spirits of this world instead of choosing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit instead of the spirits of this world. And it starts with insincerity, leads ultimately to insecurity. Can I just tell you, and we'll move on, there ain't no life like the one where there ain't nothing you're in fear of being found out about. <laughs> I get it right sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes. I'm trying to live a life that honors God, but I ain't the least bit scared somebody's going to find out. That's good living. I'm going to tell you what. Oh, that's the kind of living I want for you. That's the kind of living I want for everybody I know and love. So how do you avoid that insecurity of living in fear of being found out? Choose to be filled with the Spirit instead of the spirits of this world. Finally, let's go back to our chart. So if you choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? You, you get intimacy with God. You get a Christ-like character. Fruits of the Spirit begin to form. You get this empowered kind of service, accomplishing things you never thought you would. If you, by default, or choose the spirits of this world, then you get isolation from God. You get this hypocrisy that, that leads to insecurities. And ultimately, you get a purposelessness. While the Holy Spirit offers this empowered service, making a difference in the world, the spirits of this world offer this kind of hopelessness, depression, purposelessness. I learned a long, long time ago, in fact, the first 
public speaking competition I was ever in. I got some advice from a counselor, and this was before I even became a Christian. Uh, and, uh, and she said, well, you know what? If you really want to give a, a message or a, or a speech that will resonate with the judges, Every human being on the planet needs two things. Talk about those two things. And I said, yeah, what's that? She said, everybody needs to love and be loved. Agree? That's what we all long for. And everybody needs to feel like they're doing something worthwhile with their lives. There's more to life than get up, go to work, pay the bills, retire, and die. There's got to be more than that. She said, you talk about those two things, you'll win the competition. And I did. Hear me, the right side of our chart is filled with the emptiness of serve me. The left side is filled with the fulfillment of making a difference in this world. The right side of that chart is, is filled with, with wearing masks and the fear of being found out. The, the left side is filled with love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. The right side is filled with rich, healthy relationships. The left side is filled with loneliness or isolation, I could go on, but I think you're getting the point. At the end of the day, we've got a choice to make. We've got a choice to make. So let's go back to the very first message in the series, and I'll wrap this up. We'll close in song and in prayer. The question really is, how do I make that choice? How do I choose to be filled with, filled by, empowered by, under the control of the Holy Spirit of God? Simple, three simple choices, three decisions that you make. Let me list them for you. First of all, is you ask Jesus to come into your life. If you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and give you a fresh start, please, I beg you, do not leave this room. Do not turn your television off until you do. Our praise team's beginning to gather. They're going to join us back on stage. In just a moment, we're going to close in song this morning, but I beg you, if you haven't settled eternity with Jesus Christ, don't wait another minute, another day. He loves you more than you can even imagine. And his grace is available no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone. The second step is, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of this new life. I was in charge last time and I messed it up pretty bad. So would you be in charge this time? Would you be Lord this time, the Bible calls it? We don't use that term often, but it just means who gets to be in charge. And then, Lord, I'm going to need power. I'm going to need the ability to live out this decision that I've just made to make you Lord this time. I'm going to need the power to make these choices and then to live out those choices so would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you just fill me completely up? I want you to be in charge. It's not about whether I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence when you get saved. It is ultimately about whether the Holy Spirit has you and me. The good news is it's a simple choice. Here it is. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. I want you to read it out loud. It's on the screens. It's on the screens. Here we go. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How do you be filled with the Spirit? You ask him. He wants to fill you. 
He wants to flood in and take over. He wants to give you both the willingness and the ability to live a life that honors him. He wants to do that for you. The father sent his son in order that you could have a fresh start. And the son said, when I go to the father to prepare heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he'll empower you to live out this life. He wants you to be filled with the spirit. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. He's just waiting for you to, to ask. Well, I don't know. I've heard a lot of stuff about this being filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've heard a lot of stuff. What's going to happen to me? Well, I don't know a lot of detail about what's going to happen to you except this. I know what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. The Holy Spirit fills you up and you begin to reflect the glory of God. Jesus said, in John 17, he prayed, Lord, let your glory shine through them. Being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the, who? The Holy Spirit. When you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up, you begin to reflect the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and King James says, goes from glory to glory. He says, ever increasing glory. This amazing thing happens. And glory may not be a word you use a lot. It's the Greek word doxa that means wonder, grandeur, brilliance, praise, triumph, whatever word you want to use is something we all need, desire. Moving from blessing to blessing, praise to praise. In other words, Pastor Jim paraphrase. You ain't seen nothing yet. But the choice is yours at the end of the day. Sad reality is I've watched people come to Christ, give their lives to Jesus, get a fresh start, forgiveness. But they don't say, Lord, I want you in charge this time. And the result is they just go right back into the same lifestyle and they suffer the same consequences. Or some will come and give their lives to Christ, and then they'll say, Lord, would you be in charge this time? But they never pray through for the Holy Spirit to empower that choice, and so it becomes a battle constantly. But I've watched a lot of others come to that place. Jesus, I want a fresh start. I want you to be in charge this time. And Holy Spirit, would you empower me to live out this life in a way that goes from praise to praise, glory to glory, grandeur to grandeur, in a way that ultimately brings glory to you. That's what I want for us as a church. I would love to think that cars would pass by on 70 and see something shining over the trees and say, what in the world is that? You know how you pass by a football stadium sometimes and you hear the roar of the crowd? I'd love for them to pass by 70 and hear, what was that sound over there? It's the sound of revival. It's the sound of a group of people who have decided to make Jesus Lord of their lives and ask the Holy Spirit to fill them up. And that's what our art has been all about this morning. It's that glory of God shining and us coming into his presence, reflecting that glory back to him.
So we're going to sing. But before we do, I want you to, I want you to consider a choice. I'm going to pray quickly, but here's the choice. And I want you to be intentional. Remember, he says, wise, not foolish. Be intentional about this. If you are willing to ask this morning in prayer, to join me in a prayer that says, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Give me a fresh start. Be in charge this time. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you're willing to pray that prayer with me, while I'm praying this first prayer, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're not ready to pray that prayer, we're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to single you out. But I do want you to understand what you're doing when you stand. And I know we try not to embarrass people around here. We try to make that a private kind of thing with God. But there's a boldness that comes from taking a physical step that says, I choose today who's in charge. So I've actually debated and prayed all week. How do I do this gently? How do I do this lovingly? At the end of the day, if you're ready to pray that prayer, I want you to stand. Father, you see us, you know us, you know where we are in our journey with you. So would you speak by the gentleness of your Holy Spirit, draw us to that place where you say, you know what, I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins, give me a fresh start, be in charge this time, and then fill me up with the Holy Spirit. Empower me to live out this life in a way that honors you and brings glory to your name. And even as we stand across this room right now, it's happening. Just the act of standing is saying, Lord, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to fill me up. Would you do that? And now again, in the quietness of this moment, before we sing, I want you to pray a simple prayer. Those of you that are standing, just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, would you give me a fresh start today? You may have prayed this prayer many times over the years, but today, would you give me a fresh start today? Going forward, would you be in charge of my decisions and my choices? Be the Lord. And I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to the life that's before me. In Jesus' name.